Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Total Italian Football podcast brought to you by the team at total-italianfootball.com. We're here to talk about match day four of this Serie A season, and oh my god, we've had a lot of goals. You and you did a count. You and Burns is here with me. I believe we've had 34 from the eight games so far. It is 34, and it's not even all. There's only two batterings in that, I'd say. There's just a lot of games where both teams scored loads of goals. Yeah, well, Frozenoni Sassuolo had six, Fiorentina Atalanta had five, Genoa Napoli had four, and then there were some mad <laughs> results in there as well, weren't there? Vito Doria, you're also here with me. How are you keeping this evening slash this morning? Uh, look, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I, in fact, covered the game for total-italianfootball.com, so to wake up and see Roma do what they did is... Uh, actually worthwhile for a change better than covering some nil nil draw one nil win you probably could have gone back to bed after about 15 minutes and set a a one arm a one hour uh, snoozer on that but wow what a weekend of results it was of course we had the the derby della madonnina the milan derby we had juve lazio um those were probably the games that everybody was looking forward to the most coming into it but pretty much every game that's been played so far aside from two have really, really delivered. So it kicked off on Saturday with Juventus beating Lazio 3-1 in a really impressive performance at the Allianz Stadium. And then everybody forgot that that game had ever taken place because Inter went and whacked Milan 5-1 in the Derby della Madonnina. And I could not believe what was happening in the second half of this game. Genoa held Napoli to a 2-2 draw. Again, surprise, goal-filled, great game. And then we were brought crashing down to earth with the first two games on Sunday because Cagliari Udinese finished nil nil and Monza Lecce finished one one. Fun fact: I was actually in Monza while this game was being played, and I didn't realize that Monza were at home. Um, wouldn't have been able to go to it anyway. What I was doing just there? passing through. I was on my way back, wasn't I? Because I was at um, Como Women against Napoli Femminile today, and to get back to Parma. The safest way was to go from Sereno to Monza, from Monza to Milano Centrale, and from Milano Centrale back to, to Parma. So I had a lovely time. Well, we know the station's absolutely nowhere near the ground anyway. So Yes, exactly that. I was getting off the train thinking the last time I came through here accidentally, there was a game on, but there were a lot of fans on their way to the game. And this time, there was a game on as well, but I didn't know about it because it was happening. Anyway, let's continue. Frozenoni beat Sassuolo 4-2. Frozenoni might be secretly good this year, guys. I'm just, just going to say it. And I think we do need to have a discussion about them at some point. Fiorentina came from behind to beat Atalanta 3-2 at the Frankie in another really fun game. And then the last game on Sunday saw Roma, Jose Mourinho's Roma, to give them their full name, beat Empoli 7-0. That is 7-0. A Jose Mourinho team scored seven goals in one match. And they were ruthless, absolutely ruthless. On Monday night, we've still got Salernitana Torino and Verona Bologna to come. But I think we've had quite enough action for a weekend to get through a podcast. Don't you guys agree? We've got to start, Vito, with the Milan derby because I think we all predicted this to be fun. I don't think anybody could have predicted it to be 5-1. No, I certainly didn't expect such a lopsided scoreline. Both teams have been very impressive so far in this season, but uh, the Nerozzurri showed that they were truly a class above in the Saturday game. Uh, Enric Mkhitaryan in particular was fantastic with these two goals, but there were just so many other contributors around the ground as well. Then you also have a look at the defence, and Simone Inzaghi brought back Francesco Acerbi into the starting lineup. So if you can rest someone like Stefan De Bruyne, who had a good start in defence, so I think that goes to show that the Nerozzurri have their share of options as well. Yeah, there was something about the Inter eleven, wasn't there? A back three of Damian Acerbi and Bastoni. You kind of think, how's this going to go in a derby? But Ewan, there's no debate. It was phenomenal from Inter. Well, just on praising the defence that started the game, remember they signed Benjamin Pavard? Like they, yeah, they, quite, yeah. <laughs> who, you know, in theory is better than all of the players and we just who signed said. specifically to play at centre back because he's sick of playing on the right. Yeah, he's going to take that the bit that Damian's been mostly doing on the, you know, the the right of that three, um, which should suit him completely down to the ground. 
So they've got that to appear as well. I wonder if he might appear in midweek against um, Real Sociedad. But yeah, they were just, you know, it was very much a case of early goal and didn't look back. They were just absolutely ruthless. They, they've won all the derbies in 2023 now, haven't they? So they won't mm. be another, I, don't, I can't remember what the dates are for Copa Italia, but I assume they're not going to meet each other before the end of the calendar year no. if they do meet each other in that. Um, and it you know, it gets to the point where one of the things that I mentioned in the uh, three takeaways on total-sunningfootball.com was that Pioli's got a massive, massive challenge for when the next derby rolls around because I think that's five in a row now that Inter have won. And, it, and it's not just that they've won them, they, they've been pretty convincing. Even when it's been a narrow scoreline, it's, it's been a convincing performance in which Milan didn't never look like doing anything. There was maybe five minutes when Milan scored in this game and then had one run forward with uh, Reinders. That was it for the whole game where you thought they could possibly do something. It was just, they just got walked over. I could be wrong on this, but I think Alibai, who was at this game for us, um, said that that was Milan's first goal in a derby in 2023. Like, that could be wrong. But there were the two Champions League ones and the league one earlier in the season, right? Yeah, and then the Super Cup of final, which was 3-0. So, yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's crazy. And I was at the first derby of last season, which is now six derbies ago, which just feels wrong. But Inter took the lead in that one, and it looked like Inter were going to steamroll them. And then in the second half, Milan just came back, and there was such a big like golfing class between the two sides. And I remember leaving the San Siro that day thinking... Inter have a lot of work to do if they want to like catch up with Milan again, and and since then it's just been ridiculous. It must be hard to take if you're a Milan fan, Vito, because it's it's not nice seeing your team lose a derby. But when you consider that they've lost a Super Cup final to Inter, they've lost a Champions League semi final over two legs to Inter, and now they've been pumped five one by Inter. Like it's got to hurt. It should hurt for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's the significance of some of those fixtures. They're not just uh, you know, normal league games. Uh, some of those have actually been cup competitions where the stakes are higher, uh, there's trophies you know, to win. And then other cases like the Champions League, you know, they're very prestigious fixtures because you're in a major European competition and at the far end of it too. This latest one is a league fixture, but you know to win that big is great for the Nerazzurri, but for the Rossoneri to be on the receiving end, uh, that's absolutely gut-wrenching on their part. And then you must wonder when they face each other again in the second half of the season, uh, you know how the fans are going to think. You know, are they going to be a bit more sort of paranoid or afraid of Inter? And then you've got Pioli and his players. Do they find different solutions? Do they change their tactics? Or is there greater need for variation? Because I feel with Inter, despite playing in a 3-5-2, there's still some sort of unpredictability about their style. Or they have players that can change things around. Whereas with AC Milan, they do have flair players like Leo and Pulisic, but... Uh, in this game, they couldn't uh, influence the game in favour of the Rossoneri. Listeners to the bonus pod, aka people who pay us two euro a month and subscribe on patreon.com slash football, will be wondering why Kev Pogzelski is not here. And I'll tell you why, because you know he's a coward. And he has said this season that Marcus Turam is going to be a flop at Inter and that Davide Fratese shouldn't be playing for Inter. Bernsey? Well, to be fair, the, the latter was upstaged, <laughs> <laughs> despite still actually scoring a goal. Um, I mean, Taram was ridiculously good. Um, the goal, the goal, the oh, goal. <laughs> a big old noise came out oh. of people all around the world <laughs> as that went in. Um, something I wrote about him after this game, I'd be intrigued to know if you agree with me, because as, as I was writing it, I was kind of trying to work out if this makes sense in my head. but. To me, he's got the best bits of Lukaku and Dzeko in one player, in the sense that, you know, while there's more than more to both of those players than the things I'm going to say, the way that he just 
powers forward with the ball looks like what Lukaku did at his best at Inter. And then I that sort of finish. On a bonus as well. Yeah, that sort of finish where he just kind of out of nothing just curls it into a top corner is very Jekka. Mm. That's something you associate with Jekka. Um, it just feels like they've replaced them both with one brilliant player who incidentally is also very tall and can head the ball. Mm. Um, he just looks ridiculous. I was quite hesitant to initially make the, the Lukaku claim. So I did it on a bonus pod where there's fewer listeners. It's a little <laughs> bit safer because it's like, it's quite a lazy thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, Comparing that's the, one yeah. black striker to another black striker. That's why I'm dressing it, especially yeah. the physicality side of it. That people yeah. always do that. But there are elements. Like whenever I think yeah. of Lukaku at his best at Inter, it's think back to that COVID season. And do you remember the derby where he's just running and Romagnoli's almost like on all fours chasing him like some sort of possessed <laughs> demon and he's not getting near him. There is an element of that to, to Ram's game. And I hadn't thought about the finishing, but as you were describing that there, it, it was a very Ed and Dzeko goal, but I think Dzeko would have probably hit it into the bottom corner as opposed to yeah, pinging it into the top. But the, the culture. There's a lot to that. <laughs> there is a lot to that. And I just think that we said this when he signed. Marcus Taram is a great player to have in Italian football. And I'm so excited that he's here. And to see him score a goal like that on a stage like that and to never really look like he was in awe of what was going on around him. You know, like when he was celebrating even, it's quite easy and understandable. And it would have been quite endearing to see him kind of look around and soak it all up. But he was almost saying, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm here for. And I yeah. really, really enjoyed that from him. But I mean, the the measure of the bloke as well, in the sense that he, he turned down PSG mm. because he wanted to be central to something. He wanted to be a starting player. And you know, I don't know what PSG offered him, obviously, but it will have been a lot more than what he's getting at Inter. Um, and he would have been you know, almost guaranteed a league title in the process as well. But he, he chose to go to Inter instead. Did you see the clip of him celebrating with Lautaro from the other week where they go off and do the little celebration and Taram like pulls into the gun pose that Lautaro and Lukaku used to do together and Lautaro just like looks at him stone faced and just like wags his little finger and says, I don't do that anymore. And it was some people were taking it as like a disrespect to Lukaku, but I think it was just a lovely moment from I thought they both behaved very well. Turam's having fun. I think that's respect to Lukaku. Yeah, I thought so too. It was great. I very much enjoyed it. We will get on to Lukaku a little bit later, but we've got to talk about Henrik Mkhitaryan Vito because he's someone that I'll hold my hands up and say I've not always fully appreciated. And I get into arguments regularly where people try to tell me how brilliant he is and I play it down a little bit. But he steps up, doesn't he, when they need him? He certainly stepped up in this particular game. And just the way he controlled the midfield and how he got into those scoring positions to score the goals, I think it just goes to show the class that he does possess. He is one of the elder statesmen, if you like, in the team. But he's shown that he's still in good physical condition. He's got the qualities to influence the game. And he's also keeping someone like David De Fratesi out of the squad, who, when he does play, has actually been doing good for both club and country. So I think that's also a credit to Mkhitaryan for being able to keep an informed player out of the starting lineup. Fido, do you think there's a chance that we've been focusing on the wrong player when we've been talking about wanting Fratesi to play? Is there a chance that he could play in place of Barella rather than in place of Mkhitaryan? Or... Does that just not fit? I think it does fit for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Fratesi plays in that um, position usually, or he did play in that position for both Sassuolo and in earlier games for Italy. So he's that guy that plays on the right side of a central midfield trio, or as they call it in Italy, the mezzala destra, that right central midfielder role. So I think that can work. Also, he is an energetic midfielder. So I think, like Barella, he's that kind of player too. If we are to have those players, you know, Mkhitaryan on one side and then you've got Fratesi on the other, that can still work. I'm just going to list through, Bernsie, some of, some 
of Inter's unused substitutes and just get your reaction. Stefano Sensi, Juan Cuadrado, Davy Klassen, Benjamin Pavar, Jan Elrel Bisek, Lucien Agume, and Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> it's good, it's just, isn't it? It's mixed, but it's predominantly good. They've um, got to win the league this year, don't they? Yeah, I mean, we said that last year, didn't we? Yeah, but they and... did have to win the league last year too. <laughs> and the year before. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. it feels like this year compared to... There, there feels like so many unknowns where Milan looked fantastic. And obviously they were crap here, but we have to see how they respond to that. Um, Pioli out was trending all day. Was that? Uh, which, which is very uh, It's the typical. same people who made Fischiamo Donnarumma trend, though. Yeah, it? yeah. Um, they've lost one game out of four. <laughs> yes, it's the derby, and yes, it was emphatic, but it's a game. Um, and then they've got another one on Tuesday. The mighty, the Tuesday mighty early evening. posse, as the, the yes, football ramble yes. have spectacularly christened them, are, are coming. Piff posse are in town. They might get another hammer. <laughs> Although, did they win this weekend, Newcastle? Yeah, but only just. Okay, so that's their first win in a while, them. isn't it? Yes, but <laughs> yeah. not, in a, not in a good way. <laughs> it's a shit win. Continue. Were you making a point? Uh, loosely. I mean, obviously, Pavar is someone you'd expect to be phased in as a regular starter over the next two, three games, um, providing nobody makes it makes themselves completely undroppable. Um, but, you know, they spent 30-odd million on him. He's, he's going to be a starter. Um Yano Robisek we've not seen. Obviously, he, he's depth at the back. Sensi and Agume are players that they would probably would have got rid of had the opportunity arisen during the summer. Mm. Um, so it's you know it's it's not all brilliant on that bench, but Fratesi and Pavar are the ones where it's like wow they're they're on the bench for mm-hmm. a game where Inter have beaten Milan five one. Yeah, and just in the absence of Kev, I will say Marco Renatovic also was on the bench, but he did come on, so he wasn't listed in the unused. He did it without me seeing Um, as well. At some point, he was just there. I think he came on (laughs) in a big group, didn't he? I think he came on as a Mm. triple sub or something. And he looks like both DiMarco and Carlos Augusto on the pitch. It's weird, isn't it? It's (laughs) really... I don't like it. DiMarco needs to keep his hair like really bleached blonde, just so we can differentiate between them easily. There was another game with a fair few goals, and it's not the one you're thinking of, you. And I'm sorry. We're going to go to Turin first for Juve Lazio because there were four goals in this one. Juve won 3 1. Three of the goals were bloody brilliant goals. And I think Chiesa's was a very high quality finish as well. But Dusan Vlaovic got the party started for Juve. Then Chiesa made it 2 0. Luis Alberto briefly halved the deficit in the second half, but Vlaovic responded with another good goal shortly after. But Vito. Juve are second, and I'm so afraid to say this, but are Juventus fun? They were looking quite fun in more than a few periods of this game, to be honest. Uh, This is the top of Juve that we need to see more of, and hopefully Allegri realises this is the way to win. He should not be relying on his defence and trying to hope that they'll win 1-0 or even 2-0. They showed that they can play, you know, the neat triangles and stuff. They can mix it up. They can go direct. So to have that variation going forward has been something that's been missing quite some time from a Max Allegri coach side. And to see both Vlahovic and Chiesa scoring like they did, I think it's a very positive start because they will, you know, be the main scoring sources of that team. While, of course as pointed out by an article of mine for total-italianfootball.com, they still need the contributors from the other parts of the pitch, just in case Chiesa and Vlaovic do get a bit of uh, marking on them or the space is limited. Well, the numbers say they need 70 goals to have a chance of winning Serie A, right? And I think they got 54 or something last season. But Vlaovic and Chiesa have already stepped up. And I think if you're a Juve fan, you're excited about how good they are as a duo yeah because all pretty much all the way through last season what we kept saying is that yes they're boring and yes they're getting a lot of good results but also you know it's clearly not like title winning form and also all of the off the pitch stuff was going on at the same time but what we kept saying was that they've got these two players that we know are absolutely fantastic and they're currently doing nothing and it's if if they can simultaneously be fit and also confident at the same time, you, you are a totally different team 
because they they are both the sorts of players where probably more Sokios are out of the two for this, but they are the sorts of players where you you, you give them the ball, and chances are something is going to happen. You know, it doesn't always need to be put on a complete plate for them. Like Lukaku is the sort of striker where you'd say generally you need to engineer chances for him most of the time. Whereas I'd say with with Kiesa and Vlavic, they can do it themselves. Um, well, Vlavic scored two goals, and I'd say neither of them were actual chances. Yeah, he, he can just do stuff out of yeah. out of nowhere. It feels like, and you know, it always it always feels like in in this space, it always feels dirty to like praise Juve and like any Juve players and stuff. But they are both really, really good footballers, and it is it's better for the league that they are actually in for. Focusing specifically on Vlahovic, uh, there were two things I found interesting about his goals. Firstly. They were goals that he scored with his non-preferred foot. He's a natural left footer, and usually he's rather hesitant to use that right foot. However, both strikes were of uh, very good quality, and the way he hit them with his right foot, they were fantastic. The other point I'll point out, too, is that both of those uh, assists from Manuel Locatelli and Weston McKenney, they were both diagonal balls. So I think that's an interesting point for... Uh, the Bianco Celesti and the coach Maurizio Sarri to pick up on the ability to, you know, defend against diagonal balls. If uh, if they're having trouble defending that that kind of delivery into their box, that's something they need to rectify ASAP. Because I think with their upcoming fixture in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid, someone like Diego Simeone should pick up on it. See, Rito, I've kind of in the way that I naturally do, I end up avoiding watching certain teams um Lazio being one of them <laughs> and there's another team in the world in sky blue that I do that to as well um and but like how how have they gone from you know they they beat Napoli and they were worthy of the win as well really weird <laughs> and then they go to Juve and they're 2-0 down in just over 20 minutes and never really look like they're going to get a result from it was there anything that they were doing obviously different against Juve compared to compared to Napoli? Uh, I don't think there was too much of a difference, really. What I did notice against Napoli was that Lazio were playing more on the counter-attack, and I think Napoli, which we'll probably get on to later, that their defensive setup is different. Because of that, they have conceded a lot of space and Lazio were able to expose that space. Juventus, uh, with Bonucci gone and also with Alexandro not playing, Federico Gatti played instead, they still have a good defensive structure. And Juventus, they're a bit more flexible. So even if they're not purely defensive like they used to be, they know when to defend deep or when to have a higher defensive block. So I think that variation probably uh, brought Lazio unstuck. I've got a serious answer, if you want it, Ewan, about what Lazio have done wrong to, to completely capitulate. That sounds rude to Vito. They signed <laughs> Luigi Giuseppe in the summer. Oh, okay. Sorry. And just having yeah, him around the place is enough to throw everything off because he's a You're weird, wasting your time, Vito. weird man. <laughs> a weird man. To be fair, if, if, if you want to talk about depth, it's amazing the way that a couple of good results can make you look at a, a bench and think totally different yeah, about yeah. it. Because like, if, 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 I, if I look at who Juve bought on during this game, Nicola Fagioli came on, who's a mm-hmm. very, very capable midfielder. Mm-hmm. Don't, I hope Cambria you're not going to well. say something bad about Timo Weah. No, no, no. no. Okay. I'm, I'm saying nice things. Okay. Um, Andrea Cambiazzo came on, who was very good earlier in the season and is going to be a very useful player mm-hmm. all season, you'd think. Timothy Ware came on, who is a good player. <laughs> I feel like I can't say anything good now in, 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 a, in a way that doesn't sound spiteful, even though I wasn't going to say anything. Um, okay, Dias Milik came on, who is a very Robert. solid... He's a solid Serie A striker who will give you a handful of goals at least. Just for clarity, I was um, trying to say that you were calling him rubbish. I wasn't calling him rubbish. <laughs> Milik, rubbish. Um, and Moise Ken came on, who is a very odd footballer, but is capable of good things. Um you know, suddenly you look at that and you go, oh, you know, they they won the game convincingly and, and they also have brought on very capable players that feasibly could start games and do a very good job as well. And it only takes one result and 
you know, it's not quite one, but one or two results, and everything starts to look rosy. I think if you look at starting 11s, I think Juve have eight very, very strong players in their 11. And when you're not playing in Europe, that might be enough. It might be enough. When you've got a coach who knows what he's doing at that level as well, I, I do... Don't rule them well, out. That's the thing, isn't it? They've got a clean run at it. Mm. So and if they you want to say Inter have too. to win the league, there's uh, there's something of that about you, though. If they start winning games, it does get to a point where when everyone else starts playing in Europe, which is going to kick in in two, three days, right. you get that vibe as well. Of, well, oh, you, you, know, you, you should win it. You know, you're, you're meant to win it. Mm. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't, it's a different mindset. I wouldn't dream of saying something like that for <laughs> obviously. Um, let's go to it, shall we? Roma beat Empoli 7 0. That is S E V E N. 7 0. Paolo Dybala scored twice. Renato Sanchez scored, but then went off, so he's probably injured again. Alberto Grassi got an own goal. Brian Cristante, Romelu Lukaku, and Gianluca Mancini scored. Brian Cristante got the goal of the game. But. What should we talk about here? Because, Vito, you've written about this. You focused on Dybala. I think we need to give a little bit of attention to Big Rom as well, getting his goal. But I'll let you jump in first and, and talk about just how good Paolo Dybala was on the night. Oh, he was fantastic. So he played for 64 minutes. And considering how he's had his injury woes in the last few years, I think that's more than enough, especially in a game like this. Uh, he stepped up to score the opening goal from the penalty spot. And he got his second goal in the second half, but just overall, not just his ability to um, finish his chances, but I think in overall play, his ball control, his way of linking up with his teammates, uh, the tricks he can pull off. I think he gives this Roma side some much-needed flair, unpredictability, and also X-factor. When he's on song, uh, he gives that team so much confidence. And considering how poor Roma started in the first three match days of Serie A, uh, not only did facing Ampli come at a good time for them to boost their confidence and get such an emphatic win, but Dybala in particular was instrumental in laying those foundations and giving his teammates that extra boost that they, they can do something on the ball as well. Do you think if Roma get an hour out of Paulo Dybala 32 weeks of the season... They'd take that. I think they should be more than happy with that because, uh, let's face it, he's getting close to 30 and uh, with his um, fitness issues, he's not a guy that can really play 90 minutes, especially in the modern game. He's, uh, he's more or less a classical footballer, just that old school number 10 that doesn't need to be in the game the whole time. But when he's on the ball... He can change things in an instant. And that's how Mourinho needs to utilize him. Try to build the team around him as much as possible. Know that he's not going to be putting pressure. He's not going to be tracking back. But if he's going to help create a cohesive unit and put his teammates into dangerous positions or put the ball in the back of the net himself, that should be more than good enough for Roma. Mm. Juventus won't be in European action this midweek, but... We've got plenty of clubs in Europe this season. The two Milan clubs, Napoli, Fiorentina, Atalanta, Roma, Lazio, they're all involved. And we will be back, of course, this week with the two usual bonus podcasts for people who are signed up to patreon.com slash football. You can sign up for just two euro a month. If you want to help us out a little bit more, you can give five and ten euro as well. Um, and there's two bonus podcasts every week on top of getting this this usual free podcast a little bit earlier than everybody else. Ewan and I will be sitting down to talk about Serie A Femenile's return. I was at the game today. There's been a lot of a lot of action in the in that division over this weekend as well as it's been a little bit silly from top to bottom. Of the five games played, there were no draws and some of the results were a little bit unusual. But been a good restart we're now into an international break straight away but do head over there and sign up you'll get that podcast and then the bonus podcast which is always about the men's game and this week it'll obviously have a european focus with the european fixtures but let's move on shall we i was at a game involving a team from napoli called napoli today Ewan, but they're not connected to the men's team called napoli oddly enough and people were at the match in men's napoli shirts and it's 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 a very confusing situation with those two clubs but Napoli's men 
They drew 2-2 in Genoa. What on earth is going wrong? Am I not allowed to talk about Roma? 7-0. <laughs> you want to talk about, about Napoli? <laughs> uh, no, no. So I'll make one... Wrong? No. Um, I'll make one, one very loose point about Roma. Yeah, they just won that game. And everyone who doesn't like Roma will, will have... It was Empoli tattooed on their forehead right now, I imagine, which is relevant because <laughs> Empoli are shocking and they were shocking. Um, but the next games, they've got Sheriff Midweek and then Torino, Genoa, Frosinone, Sever in the Europa League, Cagliari, Monza, Slavia Prague, and then into at the end of October. So if ever there was a, like Vita said, the timing of the Empoli game, if ever there was a game to do a 7-0 in um, and get a load of confidence, they've got a run of fixtures that, that you'd ask for, basically. Um, now I'll talk about Jenner if you want, or, or Napoli, rather. Um, like like you said about, was it the intergame where you blinked and there was a load of goals? Yeah. Um, I wasn't paying attention to this game live. I've Good. since watched the extended <laughs> highlights, but um, I went and had a quick look. And I was like, oh, wow. Are you, are you Kev right now? Just coming <laughs> like to that. talk about how you've not watched something. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I I did lots of other things that day, and I, I chose to forego Genoa Napoli. Um, but yeah, spotted it was two 0 and then went about my evening just before I went to bed. Went had a look, not specifically for the game, spotted two all. Um, and the second Napoli goal, both were good, but the second Napoli goal I really really liked because Zielinski played a really really clever pass, and then. Palazzano just sort of swept it in on the volley in a way that you know he didn't feel it leave his foot. I, I bet that was a really satisfying goal to score. But it's not a good result, is it? It's not. I got Bad. temporarily distracted by a video of two different seas meeting. And it's not the usual <laughs> picture that you see out in the middle. It's the two shores touching each other, which I Two can't... shores? Yeah. I'll send it to you. It's a very nice video. And it's the moment where they touch is... It's very satisfying. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to choose my next words very carefully. Um, don't watch this now, but it has been sent to you. It's not a good result. No. And I think, is this the type of game that with Spalletti in charge, Vito, doesn't happen? No, it would not have happened under Spalletti because the team often would be well balanced. And even if... Uh, the team would score the goals like they did, they would not have conceded in the manner that they did as well. If you look at the goals, uh, it just seemed that Napoli conceded a lot of space and Garcia still hasn't got the right idea of what his starting lineup should be. It also didn't help that Rachmani, I don't think, was fully fit for this game. But it also shows that Juan Jesus, uh, he was playing above himself on the Spalletti, so... He was good as a bench option under him, but to start in this Napoli, I think he needs to be benched. Then hopefully his compatriot, uh, Nathan or Nathan, he can be integrated into the squad quicker. Yeah, fingers crossed. Because it is nice having a, a properly competitive Napoli at the top of the table. I don't think we're getting that this year. I'd have to make my top four when we did the predictions at the start of the season, but... We'll have to see how it goes. Um, Fiorentina beat Atalanta 3-2. Atalanta went 1-0 up, not early on, but relatively. Um, in the first half of the first half, I think it was. And then after that, they kind of just stopped playing Ewan, and Fiorentina were excellent. Yeah, this was quite a weird game, because I'm not convinced Fiorentina actually were excellent. <laughs> they... They, they they won and they they were definitely good in patches. You know, it's not like they played badly or anything like that. But Atalanta just became so passive. Like the particularly the when Fiorentina went from one 0 down to two one up that that patch towards the end of the first half it was just a bit of bit of an onslaught. And it's not that Fiorentina were necessarily moving the ball super fast or being really clinical or anything like that. They, they just every time. An Atalanta player made a tackle. It would it would fall to someone like Lookman. Yeah, he'd run five yards and lose the ball again, and it, it just started again. It was it was relentless, but not in a way that really made me go, "Oh wow, Fiorentina are doing brilliantly here." It was more Atalanta keep giving them the ball <laughs> every given opportunity. It was sloppy, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was quite a it was quite a chaotic game. It was very fun, but I don't think it was 
particularly packed with quality. Tell you what upset me, and I, I I'm happy the you result. did it. No, but I'm all right. I'm okay. What upset me was seeing Giacomo Bonaventura properly celebrate the goal. It's like so. I I agree that that's what he should have done. I didn't like seeing it. Like, don't yeah. don't put the camera on him, guys. I don't want to watch this happen. My heart was breaking. And I was aware, that as soon as he hit it, I was like, well, he's going to celebrate. And then I saw him jumping over the boards and I was like, can't look away from this. And he was just giving it everything. And I was like, this makes me respect you more, but is, I am also very sad. I didn't like it. And that was just a 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I suppose he has been there for a little while now, hasn't he? Yeah. Um... But I miss him. <laughs> I wanted him to go back to Atalanta when he left Fiorentina because when I su- started supporting Atalanta he was like an up and coming exciting little off the striker player and he's very much not that now but I still I love him he's one of them who's a bit like Dybala in the sense that in the wider sense the game's kind of moved on from the mm. the need for him but what you mean. When, he, when he does the right thing it's very yeah, fun he's great isn't he he's great he has slowly evolved his game, though, and, and become a bit more combative, a bit more all-action in midfield. He's a bit more, a bit grittier. Yeah, he can be a conventional central midfielder. And now. he's a bit of an arsehole, <laughs> which I never saw coming when he was young. But I, I just, it's, I hate that he's good because Fiorentina are one of those clubs, and I think I've said this to you before, that when the team I support beat them, I'm happier than I am when the team I support beat most teams other than two. But see him there and happy. I don't like it. I'm happy that he's happy, but I, I want him to be happy in black and blue. But it's not going to be, is it? Because he missed that chance. Sorry, Jack. No. Oh, he will go there, won't he? Because he'll dip down to Serie B before he... Oh. Why have you made me sad again? Let's continue. Let's move <laughs> swiftly on. There was a bit of a mad one in Frozen on it because Sassuolo were 2-0 up after 24 minutes and it was still 2-0 at half time it was still 2-0 after 45 minutes sorry Frozenoni pulled them back just before the break and Vito Frozenoni won 4-2 oh it was a, it was a crazy game and, and not only that and there were probably chances for Frozenoni to have scored at least another two and even when it was still at 3-2 Turati, the Frosinone goalkeeper, pulled an excellent save from a Gregoire de Freuheda to sort of keep it at that um, one goal lead. Otherwise, Sassuolo would have pulled it to three all. But yeah, just overall, just a crazy game to, you know, bounce back like they did because Pinomonti got two in the first 25 minutes or so. Mm. And then just to turn the game around and to do it with such style. They're definitely going to be a fun side. And I think both. Uh, Frosinone and Di Francesco, I think they'll raise a few eyebrows, but in a good way. They'll get people's attention and just surprise them just with the way they go about it. Lots of unknowns, but they're really punching above their weight so far. Leading on from what you're saying about Don Ventura, did either of you see if, because I genuinely don't know, if um, Luca Mazzatelli celebrated much? Because he was at Sassuolo for a fair old while. And he scored twice very quickly. <laughs> Did not see. Did not see. You've interrupted. I saw a picture of him jumping there. Oh. Yeah, and, that, and that's usually quite a large celebration, isn't it? I may have made that up in my head, but I swear I came across that briefly this evening. <laughs> it wasn't overly excessive, but it wasn't subtle like Fabio Quagliarella back when he played for Sump or any <laughs> other club where he, he no scored. No one was subtle like Quagliarella. Nah, that's a special kind of subtleness, yeah. Even if um, he's played one game against the club. Vito, I have an important question. Is Eusebio Di Francesco back? You know what? I think there's a good chance that he is. Oh, you're teasing me, Vito. He's back. So he's going to have them playing his... I can't remember when he was good. Like 2015? Is he going to have Frozenoni playing that sort of football? Yeah, like Sassuolo 2015-2016 when they end up qualifying for the UEFA Cup. I th- Did I get the year right off the top of my head? I'm so impressed by that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely the style of play. And, you know, whenever I've watched them play, just it's incredible, 
you know, what sort of flair and the tricks the players try to pull off too, just because most of that team is lacking in Serie A experience, but it's like they've got no care whatsoever. Mm. They're just on the pitch. They're going to be the best they're going to be. And if the tricks don't work, doesn't matter. They'll go at it again. So uh, I love that kind of fearlessness from a provincial club. And this is Frosinone's third Serie A campaign. They were relegated the other two times. So hopefully this is the chance to actually avoid relegation. And by the look of things, Di Francesco and his boys, they're going to do it in quite some style. Walid Kadira looks like a very good pickup, doesn't he? Because the one they got on loan from... Napoli, because he was really good for Barry, um, and he, he he must have two, three, four goals this season already. He, he got one in this game. He, he just looks like he sort of looks like he's been in Serie A for quite a long time. As if they've picked up someone who's a bit of a banker to get you a few goals. Um, and I think other teams around, well, I say around that area of the table, they're right near the top. But teams you'd have thought would be around them are probably thinking we could have had him as well, actually. Monza one, Lecce one, you one. Yeah, I mean, Lecce storming towards the Champions League. Strong man, red card. Oh, was it him who got sent yeah, off? Yeah, Federico Bascarotto was sent off and Luca Calderolo oh. was sent off for Monza. That's good, really, because I mean, I think that's part of it's part of the aura that, so he, that he brings. I, he I needs the occasional red card. I don't think I'm like letting any cat out of the bag by saying, didn't watch this, not going to watch the highlights of it. But the fact that he's got sent off, I imagine he's picked someone up. You know what you used to see in like cartoons, but if you pick someone up by the neck and then he like had someone else in a headlock and his big massive arm and the other and he No, just... he's done that Hulk thing where where he has the guy and he smashes him <laughs> into the floor like loads of times. <laughs> Wake up tomorrow and see Federico Basquiatto has got a fifteen match ban for <laughs> assaulting the whole monster team. Because it was the ref he had hold of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I was passing through, actually, the ground did shake, so I did assume he was he was close by. But um, we've obviously got nothing to say about that. A quick look at the stats, though. Monza had twenty five shots to Lecce's four, which you don't expect, do you? Because Lecce is still in the top four. And yes, I know it's only four games in, but allow it. Vito, I'm so sorry. Cagliari Udinese nil nil. Why did they even play this game? <laughs> This is how I feel about most Udinese games before Christmas any given year. Oh, God. When I when I saw that score, I just went into a fantasy world. You know, that the only way that kind of game would have been entertaining is if you created like a fantasy team of all the all-time greats. I mean, I was thinking Gigi Riva for Cagliari, Zico for Udinese, and I thought that's the only way you're going to get a show from these. With the current lot, you're better off doing something else with your life. No complaints, Festia Bazzelli started. <laughs> I, I actually have a, a way of judging how crap this was. Um, it, I, I was I was sat in front of the telly working all day today, and I thought, oh, 11.30 in, in the UK, there's a game on. I'll stick it on. Yeah, I wasn't expecting a lot. Um, and the Formula One was starting at 2 o'clock my time. So that's, what, what's that? Two and a half hours. So I was thinking, yeah, I'll watch the whole of this game. And then I'll switch shortly before the F1 starts. I ended up watching, I think, about an hour and a quarter of the build-up to the F1 because I got partway <laughs> through in this game. I was like, I'm not doing this to myself anymore. I don't want to watch this anymore. Not watching this anymore. You and I'll, you choose one of the teams and I'll tell you how many shots on target they had and then you have to tell me how many shots on target the other team had, okay? Out of all of the teams? No, <laughs> Cagliari or Udinese, just this game. Oh, right. <laughs> um, okay, Cagliari. Okay, Cagliari had one shot on target. How many shots on target did Udinese have? Oh, I'm trying to think of the bit of the game I saw. I never looked up. That's the thing. Didn't I think it was basically <laughs> the radio. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with two. One. Oh, yeah, I, went, I flew too close to the sun there. Good That's match, that. Ambitious. Do not watch the highlights, <laughs> listeners. Although there was a red card in the 95th minute. Um, but I feel like that's Great. them just saying, oh, you've sat through this long. We'll give you something. Yeah, if they didn't do that, they'd have to <laughs> refund everyone their tickets. Absolutely so. right. Um, I think that's it, isn't it? That is all of the Serie A games. We've got Serenitana, Torino and Verona Bologna on Monday night. Serenitana, Torino is the early one. Half past six Italian time. 
And then the other is, well, the other time slot, quarter to nine Italian time. So work that out wherever you are in the world and watch it. Maybe don't. No, do, because Duvon Zapata is going to play for Torino. So that's nice. And there's a couple of Scottish boys in the other game, which is also pleasant. So get involved. I think that's all we have to say. We'll be back with the two bonus podcasts, the Serie A Familia podcast, which is back. I'm very happy about that. And the men's bonus podcast, which will come after the European games as well. Vito, any final thoughts? No, just that was a fun round to watch. It was. It was one of those rounds that makes me really, 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 really like Italian football. And we don't have many of them. I do like Italian football more than other footballs. But it's rare that a match day just makes me think, yeah, this is why. Um, Bernsey, you can wrap up. No, I largely agree. One of the good things, I, mean, I don't know if there is one yet, but I've not even heard of there being a racism yet during this weekend, which is just always, oh. they, they happen They happen regularly enough that we have to be pleased about that each time. Right, you've said that I did <laughs> think I heard one in the wrong Oh game, no. It, it, it was one of those that was too, it wasn't clear enough for me to commit to messaging someone and saying, that was a monkey noise. Did I hear that? I thought I did. Um, anyway, in which game? The Roma game. Yeah, I know, which makes no sense. Because yeah. they briefly showed anything. the away end and there was about eight of them. So that would have been... No, it didn't, sound like, from the away end. it didn't sound like it was coming from the away end. Yeah, um, but then also, what on earth could any of the Empoli players done? I'm also struggling to think of any that aren't white. Yeah, uh, that is a good point. Um, so, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, let's not um, speculate, Sean. Right, Brenzi, wrap us up. Uh, thanks, everyone. It's been great, hasn't it? Don't watch any of the games, despite what Connor said about Duvan on Monday night. We've had 34 goals. Loads of fun. Let's yeah, quit while we're ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's been good. Neither of the games tomorrow look particularly interesting. Then again, some of the ones that have been, like Frozen Onis as well, I would not have had that down as a six-goal game with a big comeback in it. So that will do nicely. Say goodbye, Connor. See you later. This is weird. I'm suddenly in charge. Say goodbye, Vito. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Roma now instead. <laughs> È vero, ci sono cose più importanti di calciatori e di cantanti, ma dimmi cosa c'è di meglio di una continua sofferenza per arrivare alla vittoria e poi non rompermi i coglioni per me. C'è solo l'Inter A me che sono innamorato Non venite a raccontare Quello che l'Inter deve fare Perché per noi niente è mai normale Né sconfitta né vittoria Che tanto è sempre la stessa storia Un'ora e mezza senza fiato Perché c'è solo l'Inter C'è solo l'Inter Per me Solo l'Inter C'è solo Per me No, non puoi cambiare la bandiera E la maglia nera azzurra Dei campioni del passato Che poi è la stessa Di quelli del presente Io da loro voglio orgoglio Per la squadra di Milano Perché c'è solo l'Inter E mi torna ancora in mente l'avvocato Frisco Lui diceva che la Serie A era il nostro DNA Io non rubo il campionato 
Oh! 